Hey, what's up everybody? This is Taylor from Game Devs Quest with this week's quick tip. If you're making any kind of art asset, I highly recommend checking out assets from other games. For instance, I've been playing a lot with character creation using pixel art, and I noticed that all of my characters were kind of flat and didn't have a lot of kind of interesting detail and stuff like that. So what I ended up doing was studying Zelda A Link to the Past and how they draw their sprites and also Pokemon from Game Boy. And just by kind of looking at some of those sprites, I learned a ton and was able to produce another sprite that looked a lot better. So I recommend using the resources out there, looking at other games that have been successful and using that to influence your creation of new art assets. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Dev's Quest, your once-weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs into game devdom. If we can do it, you can, too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. Hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> so, um, you know, since I've recently rejoined us back in civilization here, I've been spending a little bit of my free time <clears throat> uh, pissing it away, if you will. Mm-hmm. Playing some the American way, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and something to remember about me is that I don't easily buy into, like, AAA game hype. I rarely ever buy new games. Um, you know, and when I say new games, I mean, like, new AAA titles. Yeah, $60 games, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, of course, when I went to PAX, I was kind of sold on Spider-Man. So, of course, everybody knows that I bought and played Spider-Man. A lot of fun. Uh, easily got my money's worth out of it. Um, and while I was away, I just kept, you know, seeing things on Reddit about Red Dead Redemption 2. So naturally, when I came back, I decided to just bite the bullet. I was like, you know what? Spider-Man worked out. And I liked the first Red Dead Redemption. Grand Theft Auto V was great. Let's check out Red Dead Redemption 2. So I pulled the trigger on that. And uh, that game has been very absorbing. Yeah, dude. It's really good. It's really <laughs> well done. How uh, how far are you into it? Um, well, like according to like, you know, when you save the game, it's like total progress through the game, 50%. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm like right at like 48%, I don't know. Um, but it's been surprising like I was kind of disappointed. I remember when the first time I saved it and it was like, "You're 15% of the way through the game." I'm like, "What? <laughs> this is outrageous." And then, like, by now, though, I'm like, oh, like, I've actually played this game a lot. Yeah. Like, I've put in a lot of work. I've done a lot of quests. I've done a lot of side things. Um, yeah, man, the game is absorbing. And not only that, like, the performances by the voice actors is really, really good. Yeah. So it's pretty convincing that you're in, like, the West, you know, and then... Oh. Dude, yeah. Like, even just, like, the animations, like, the way the horses move, like, makes, like, I'm totally fine sometimes just, like, walking my horse, like, through a beautiful meadow (laughs) or some, like, beautiful area just to, like, look at how amazing it is. And then it just makes you feel like you're in the West for real, man. It's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. 
And the way they talk, you know. What's the main character's name? I forgot. Um, it's uh, Arthur Morgan. Oh, it's not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> well, in the first one, it's like Marston or something. Oh, yeah, it? Marston. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different character. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. And I don't know when the first one takes place, but this one takes place in 1899. Yeah, I think the first one, or the... Well, I don't actually know what the first one was. Like, because there was... Uh, wasn't there an old Red Dead Redemption? Like, quite Red Dead a... Revolver, yeah. Oh, Red Dead Revolver, okay. Um, in Red Dead 1, I thought it was, like, in the 1900s, but I could be wrong. No. Like, early, I early so. I 1900s. think it was, like, right around, like, Civil War time. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it actually says... Oh, did you look it up? Yeah, I did. So... Red Dead Redemption. So let me look. Red Dead Revolver is set in the 1880s. Follows the bounty hunter, Red Harlow. And that was a pretty fun game. Red Dead Redemption actually takes place in 1911. Yeah, see, I thought it was a little later. Follows John Marston. That's right. Who, I think, he must be in this game. Because I kept thinking, yeah, yeah. Well, the he main is. character like looked the same when I, when not I not quite, not quite, okay. But there was a character in Red Dead. So this is the thing: I played Red Dead Redemption one a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and I think you, you still have g- my copy, by the way. Oh yeah, I do. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <it's> all good. <laughs> and you play as a character, John Marston, who's a former outlaw, and. In Red Dead Redemption 2, you play Arthur Morgan, and it takes place 20, or I guess uh, 10 years before Red Dead Redemption, so it's like a prequel, and there's a character early on who you go and rescue who's been like set on by wolves, and he gets these scars across his face, and his name is John Marston, and he talks kind of like John Marston from from the first one. I was like, huh, I wonder if they're related somehow. Turns out, according to Wikipedia, they're the same character. (laughs) So John Marston's like in your gang. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots. Like I've barely done any research on Red Dead 2 just because let's be real, I'm not going to get it. Uh I don't have a yeah. console or whatever. But yeah. uh God, these graphics, like I'm looking at some of the scenery and it just looks insane. Like Yeah, it's amazing. Some of it the mountains amazing. just look real. And they do a really good job, like, of making these different um, landscapes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you have, like, the first place that the game takes place, it's like, well, okay, so, like, the tutorial takes place in the fucking mountains, like, in the snow during a blizzard, and it's, like, total, like, Hateful uh, hateful Eight. Have you seen that movie? I have, yeah. So, in fact, I watched a trailer for The Hateful Eight the other day, and it's, like, down to the costumes, man. Like, it feels like really authentic Red Dead Redemption. Anyway. Nice. Um, and then the next place it takes place is like kind of in this like open prairie land type thing. And it feels like cowboy country. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's uh, bluffs and plateaus and like rock formations that kind of look like, you know, the earth, like the early West. Um type stuff like that you would see uh in like the plains there's like buffalo and stuff there yeah 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 
And then there's like another place that like becomes more mountainous and you get like more pine trees. And I was just blown away when I was walking around up there, like doing some hunting. And I came into this like flat area and it's like a literal mountain meadow. And it looks, it just reminded me like so much of what you would see at like Silver Falls, like just wildflowers everywhere Mm -hmm. and just beautiful greenery with a stream running down the middle of it. I was so fucking floored by how beautiful (laughs) it looked. Then another area you go is like kind of down south a little bit and it turns a little bit more like dry and hot and humid. Not dry, sorry, but hot and humid. And it's like becomes a little bit more swampy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw some pictures of the swamp and it just like, I don't know, it looks insane. Mm -hmm. So you were saying before that, that it's all open world, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's an American map, right? It's, like, set in America, right? Yeah, but I don't know if it's, like, set in a real place. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask if it, how that worked. You know, because, like, in Skyrim, obviously, Skyrim has a massive map. And you could yeah. walk all the way across it. But it's not, yeah. like, to the actual scale of, like, a real country. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't to the scale either. Okay. Um, And that's one of the things I was going to say is like the transitions between the like different regions. Yeah. Feels like feels kind of seamless, but it happens fast enough. Like when you're playing, you're like, all right, here's the line, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it is divided like because it's like state by state. I think it's like or different counties rather. Okay. But. You know, you could get across the whole map in probably, like, 20 minutes of, like, galloping on your horse as fast as possible. Gotcha. That's still pretty big. It is really big. Yeah. And it's big enough that, like, when you're trying to travel quickly, if you have a long ways to go... And there is, like, a built-in fast travel system that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It uh, It's very reminiscent of... um. Well, I guess maybe the other Red Dead Redemption's like this, but it reminds me of like how Morrowind was, where you could fast travel, but you had to go to a service that offered it. So, yeah. like in this one, you got to use the stagecoach or you got to take the train. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of neat. But the game is big enough that it feels like if you're trying to get from one place to another really fast, like you're going to miss all of the nooks and crannies that make it feel like a really fleshed out world. Oh yeah, of course. Like just when I thought that the game was getting kind of small. Yeah. I started, um, (laughs) doing like treasure hunts and Uh stuff. Cause you get these maps that are like hand drawn and you have to like use landmarks to hunt treasure. Mm -hmm. And, that was really freaking hard to do without looking up any clues or anything. Yeah. And you just realize like how big the damn map is all of a sudden <laughs> when you're like trying to find a landmark that you might have you thought you remembered seeing. Yeah. Well, that's what I feel like that's what makes it kind of fun. It's not and there's always kind of this this debate about how questing works in RPGs. It's like in divinity they don't like just typically tell you like the next step you have to kind of figure it out yeah um which can sometimes be really frustrating if you want to just like knock out the quests in your quest log yeah but at the same time just like you said if you have to figure it out on all on your own it makes it feel more immersive i think and also um it's it's more challenging and rewarding you know yeah so, and that's how old school video games used to be too. 
you just for sure had to figure it out you know and and there's like an element of this to it i think it's it's really easy to get in the habit of just like having your phone near you and anytime you get stuck like looking it up <laughs> yeah but i've been ever since i've stopped playing competitive games yeah i've really tried to focus on the joy of single player and part of that joy is like overcoming the obstacles and you know you could have your phone by you and you could look up stuff anytime that you get stuck but it just doesn't make you feel as accomplished like yeah. you might do that if you want to like show off to your friends like her i did all this blah, blah, blah. but that's that's stupid you know yeah i think it does take the fun out of it um, and and part of part of i think what's made this playthrough fun for me as well is that i've i um have only played with one save so like all of my decisions are final mm. and i've like i've kind of gotten screwed before like i <laughs> i freaking like i captured this horse kind of early on and it turned out to be like one of the higher ranking horses and i you know bonded with it like super high got its stats like really high and then it ended up dying in like a stupid accident caused by a bar fight in a town <laughs> it like the bar fight just got out of control and then the the law was called on me and i couldn't escape fast enough and they freaking shot my horse and then killed me and so when i respawned my horse was dead oh no and i spent like hours and hours like leveling up this horse you know <laughs> dang but uh yeah i think that makes it kind of fun though like exactly sticking with it it's kind of like exactly we talked a while back in a previous episode about um you and lee and how you played morrowind and sometimes you would just like not like go outside of the game rules and put other rules and restrictions on yourself it's yeah. kind of like that like you're playing yes. a game with yourself and like what what difference does it make like if you're the one sticking to it it you know, it's, exactly. It's only kind of like and enhancing the game. Right, exactly. And that's that's exactly what this is in a way. So like in Morrowind, you know, they, they were self-imposed rules, but really they were role-playing rules. They yeah. were ga- rules that you could play to role-play in the game better. Right. And that's what I wanted to do with this. I wanted to role-play as this character, you know, rootin' tootin' cowboy shooting man. <laughs> and I wanted my choices to actually matter i didn't want to just go through and oh i didn't like that so reload yeah you know right so it makes you think a lot more clearly about doing stuff because sometimes things happen so quick that you're just like oh shit this guy's drawing a gun so you enter dead eye mode and slow it down and you just like shoot him really fast yeah but you could have went into dead eye mode and shot the gun out of his hand or something like that oh yeah you know um, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting that way. And I think it just makes it more, I don't know, satisfying in a way. The other yeah. thing about the game that I wanted to talk about a little bit was like the level design. And I kind of touched on this before where it's like, if you're just blasting through the landscape as fast as you can, you're going to miss all the tiny little nooks and crannies that make the world feel real and feel lived in. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed early on with this game, and I think I t- talked about this a little bit with like Metal Gear Solid five which is another open world game where you have this big open world, but the best parts of it you see when you're doing missions because the missions just take you through those areas. And in Red Dead Redemption, you might have like passed through an area 
And you're like, huh, that looks kind of cool. But then later on, you're doing a mission, and that becomes like an <laughs> integral point of the mission where you have to like hold up in this barn and like fend off all these bandits or you have to like race alongside this train and like outpace it to try and like get in front of it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so amazing and so cinematic, but they utilize all of these beautiful, really beautiful crafted scenes or, uh, you know, landscapes or settings rather to make like an even more cinematic experience. And you might just ride past (laughs) it without ever thinking anything of it. But then it becomes an integral point in this mission that makes it even that much more cinematic. Yeah. And the game is pretty cool, too, because they have a really awesome cinematic camera that you can just activate when you're, like, driving oh. really fast or whatever. <laughs> so it you makes it I mean? look like you're playing a movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's cool. It's, it's really good for, like, horse racing uh, or when you're, like, galloping on your horse and you have nothing to do. Yeah. Um, or if you're in a mission and you just have to follow somebody and, like, listen to them talk, you can just put it in s- cinematic mode and enjoy the scenery yeah that's Um, cool but yeah man it's just it's crazy that in this huge open world it makes it feel as though the tiniest of details are handcrafted for your experience yeah it's like I i don't i really don't know how they do it i know in metal gear solid 5 they have different designers for like each mission it takes you to a locale like that. And so they, the designers sit down, they map it out. They're like, you know what? We want it, We want this to be like a more classic Metal Gear level where you have to crawl through and do all this stuff. And so the level <clears throat> design is aimed way more for crawling or something like that. But it, it's, you know, so it's like they sit down and they have an artist and a designer go through and they they handcraft each section of the map. So then in Metal Gear Solid Five, when you get to it, it makes sense for like how the mission's going to play out. And I feel like that's what they have to do in this. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's like they have to have somebody sit down and like really craft the layout of this ranch or really craft the layout of this homestead or like this mountain canyon. Yeah. You know, because it feels just like so polished in that sense. Yeah. Well, I did hear a lot about how, you know, they have hundreds of people working on this game and they all worked like 80 hours a week for like a year. So. Yeah, I'm glad well, crunch is real. <laughs> I know. I'm glad that the product feels good, though. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Cause no. Maybe I, that just... I honestly... The game has been amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry that those people had to put in that level of work, but um, this is, like, one of the best games I've played in a long-ass time. Like, more than any Fallout game, even more than, like, Skyrim. Like, it just... The random events and the scale of the map and the things that you can do just feel so much more real. Nice, dude. Yeah, it's That's fun. Awesome. I just spend a lot of time just like fucking off in the game. Oh, I bet. It's fun. It's fun just to encounter like the the um, random events and random encounters and things. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I mean that's then... how I play most open world games. Is like I kind of forget about the main main quests and i end up just going around exploring things yeah for sure well and that's the thing too though is like is that the main quest it doesn't feel forced you know what i mean so you almost you almost get sucked into doing it just because it's so fun and it does kind of add this feeling like this pressing feeling that like you know because the whole main quest is kind of driven by the fact that you and your gang are on the run okay um and you're constantly like so you know you get to this camp 
and you're hiding from the law and, and du- duking it out with other gangs for territory and stuff. And then the law catches up with you and you got to move camps. And that's kind of like what's been progressing the story forward so far is this idea of bounty hunters closing in on you and oh, nice. uh, sheriffs closing in and stuff. So it feels just very natural. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Wanted, yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Can't recommend the game enough. If anybody is like hesitating on pulling the trigger on the game, like it's really fun. And the missions there, it's funny. Like, for example, I'm just looking at one picture, not to beat a dead horse here, but like, I just remember thinking on how well the missions were crafted. And there is this one mission where you go with this guy and they're like, uh, you know, they tell you, they're like, Arthur, take him into town and get him drunk. So he forgets about all this nonsense. So you take one of your friends into town and he's like, look, man, drinking is what got us into this mess. I don't want to drink. And you're like, we're just going to do one drink. It's no big deal. <laughs> and then you guys get shit face at this bar. And and the way the mission plays out, it's so funny and so clever. Like, eventually you get so drunk and you're, like, looking for your friend. And everybody kind of looks like your friend from far away. Like, they all kind of, like, have different skin color and, like, all kind of look like them and sound like them until you go up and, like, interrogate them. And they're and then they go back to, like, looking like what they did originally. And they're like, I'm not your friend. <laughs> It's just super funny. Like, it ended up being one of my favorite missions just for, like, the comedic value of it. Yeah. And the way they kind of do, like, the montage cuts and stuff. It's nice. But anyway. Well, yeah, let, let me ask you Let me ask you one more question about it. Have you played yeah. any five-finger filet? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I told you this the other day, I, I think. Yeah, but... about poker? Yeah. I, yeah. I played, like, two hours of poker before I realized. I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. And what's fun is, like, they have these challenges for all these different activities that you can do. So they've got, like, shooting challenges and horse riding challenges and banditry challenges. And there's also gambling challenges. Nice. And it just makes it kind of uh, fun yeah. to, you know, play the gambling games. Like, I ended up playing blackjack the other day for, like, 90 minutes. And I was like, oh, shit, got to go. You know? <laughs> yeah. I just remember in Red Dead 1 just playing five finger filet all the time because i made so much money off of it yeah well that's that was what i was liking about blackjack was like you just play it like you get enough money you can just make so much money off of blackjack yeah (laughs) um so yeah but anyway nice honestly uh grand theft auto 5 was like an amazing game but i think this game is even better if anybody's interested yeah you know there's something about um I don't know. Like, I do like the Grand Theft Auto games to some extent. I I especially liked the really old ones, um, playing the originals on like PlayStation. Yeah. Um, but there's something about being in like a different time period that just, yeah. Especially when it's that immersive. Yeah. Like, it, I would much rather play that than a Grand Theft Auto because I don't know. And I was never one in Grand Theft Auto to even pay attention to the missions. Um, yeah. I would just run around and do stupid stuff you know so well yeah exactly <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's really good anyway we got to stop talking about it we'll spend another I know. 20 minutes yeah on. well hey um i'm gonna just like finally wrap this thing up i finally beat shadow tactics while you were gone oh um, excellent dude it was so epic i don't know everyone is just like shut up <laughs> but <laughs> but the final thing you have to do, which I think you would appreciate because we saw some castles in Japan, 
Um, you have to end up scaling this massive castle, uh, and it like the architecture that they made in that game just looks so realistic and yeah. amazing. Like oh, Alia was so watching fun. me play it, and she's like, "Whoa, how did they do that? Like, it looks so good." And so she just ended up like watching me for a little bit because it just looked, you know, so Japanese and epic because it was so such a massive castle, but. Yeah. It was insanely difficult towards the end. Like, I would say on average, I a level would just take me like an hour or something. The last level took me like four to five hours to beat. Um, but I can't recommend that game enough. It's it's super fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, if you yeah, get a gotta, chance, gotta, you should beat it. Yeah, I gotta go finish it. I I can't remember quite how far I am. I think I'm only on like the fourth mission or something. But yeah, yeah, I'm honestly so... like. Normally, when I beat a game, I like instantly uninstall it, and I left it around because I'm like, I might want to go through and replay some of these missions. Because well, that's what's taking me so long. Is it like after completing the first mission, I realize that there's like rewards for yeah. beating the mission a different way, like right. not using the sharpshooter <laughs> guy at all. I know. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I just went back and redid it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's the fun thing about it too is that they don't tell you what they are. Um, ahead of time and so every level i was kind of guessing what it would be and there's a couple times where i guessed right like one thing that i always challenged myself to try and do was hide all of the bodies afterwards and part of the reason was because i got uh an achievement for it you know like some levels it's extremely hard to hide all of the bodies of the people you killed um so there was that i always tried to kill everyone (laughs) Uh, which also, like, as you progress, starts to get nearly impossible. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, another one was not using uh, the sharpshooter guy. Um, but, yeah, it's just an awesome game. They are making another game, uh, Desperados 3, I think, uh, which is similar vein, but it's in the Wild West. So I'm excited for that to come out. But um, after I finished that, I started playing pillars of eternity more that's my current game oh Um, good yeah so i'm gonna go through that i'm not super far um but it's pretty fun i the only addicting it is it is really addicting especially when you're like in the thick of it you just want to keep playing my only how how far are you in there uh i have like four people in my party i'm i got out in your base yet I haven't gotten a base yet. You what? made it sound like it base. was. You made it sound like it was so quick to get. Um, it took me two hours into the game. I have eleven hours in the game, and I don't have one yet. What? So, yeah, I don't. I don't know where you went, but you. It like story directs you there. Mm. It's like a castle. Like it's the main part of the game. I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm going, dude. The and this is one of my I don't want to call it a complaint, but one thing that makes it sometimes hard to want to play is that there is so much dialogue that it, it feels like I take 20 minute breaks between actually playing the game because I'm just reading. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm kind of to the point where I'm skimming most of the time, which kind of yeah. sucks. Well, you're probably reading a lot of stuff, too, that doesn't need to be read. 
Probably, like, yeah. Like, one of the compla- biggest complaints about the game is that because they kickstarted it, all the backers got to write dialogue that's not important to it. And they tell you early yeah. on that, like, if it's this thing, you don't have to read it. Yeah, I noticed that because, like, in one of the... For the town with, like, all the people hanging from the tree. Yeah. Um, I went around and was, like, talking to a bunch of people. And every single one of them, it's, like, you can see into their soul or whatever and then hear their yeah, whole backstory. That's... And I just skip all those. Yeah, the, those are not important at all. Yeah. But... Um... But anyway, yeah, man, the castle is, like, right dead north of Defiance Bay. It's, like... Hmm. I don't... Like, you... I don't know if I've been even to Defiance Bay, either. What have you been doing for 11 <laughs> hours? You haven't even explored, Well, like... I did... I did restart the game at one point. I think I put, like, five hours into one, and then I didn't play it for, like, eight months. So then I went back and started a new save. But... Yeah. I like. I'm pretty sure I completed everything in that town with the hanging people, um, and so maybe yeah, that's, that's crazy. why you're supposed to just like go through there, basically. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're not supposed to. You can do whatever you want, but like to me, it felt like the story urges you to just travel through there. You get the two people on your team, and then you you're encouraged to like travel to Defiance Bay, and then there's like problems or something at the castle that you inherit. And you go there, and there's like a, a ghost, and you fucking oh. kill the ghost, and you know then you what? inherit the castle. I think I'm right there because that sounds like the castle that I was in recently. Like, yeah, I had to go through and like, oh, I fought fought some like guy I was looking for. He's like this epic wizard guy. He was kind of crazy, and he was like in a dungeon cell. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Okay. So after you do that, you inherit the castle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And you become like a lord, basically. Gotcha. And you uh, can impose taxes, and you like you basically can spend gold to like to uh, manage the castle, and you can like rebuild everything that's destroyed there, and like return it to its glory. Nice. And you can hire soldiers to like defend it when you're not there. Okay. Yeah. Because like the main point of the main part of the story is that like there's another lord who thinks that they have a claim on it more than you and you like are supposed to develop an army to battle them. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I got anyway. there in both of my playthroughs. I got there. Um, but I never like completed all the stuff. Apparently like I just, okay. I just went through and like cleared everything out. I don't think right. I, well, you like, gotta be careful because exited. there's also an infinite dungeon under that castle. <laughs> oh, well I probably was in there like fighting a bunch yeah. of spiders yeah okay yeah that's the if last you go thing much i did lower than that that's when you get into like infinite dungeon territory <laughs> okay <laughs> that's kind of cool though because i like fighting things yeah. um so it's so fun yeah but the way that actually uh one thing that's interesting about the game that i really liked and i think we've talked about this on the podcast is that you actually don't get that much experience for fighting yeah um you get the most experience for completing quests and role playing and stuff like that so right. um yeah Anyway, dude, I think once you get that castle, you're going to like the game is really going to take off for you. It's so fun. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I've been thinking about getting the second one, but I I want to finish the first one. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of like in this phase where I I mean, this is not true, but I want to go through and just like check the box that I completed a bunch of these games. 
Yeah. Um, so this one's the next one I'm going to try and knock out. But good for you, man. I'm glad yeah. you're playing it. It's it's fun. I'm sorry I was busting your balls so. Hard, <laughs> no, it makes sense good. if you have 11 hours in the game and you like start it over. Maybe you're only a few. Yeah. In this new one. So. I'd say like six probably. Yeah. Okay. But. But yeah. Um. One thing that I just remembered. Speaking of games. Uh. John from Cheerful Ghost posted something about Anodyne Two. Yeah. Um. There's not a lot of information out about it. But it looks like they're working on it, and it's split between 3D and 2D, which is oh, kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah, and what I found interesting about it, too, was that the 3D looked super gritty, almost like PlayStation graphics, like PlayStation 1. So what I always liked about Anodyne was just how experimental it it felt. Yeah. Um, And if you guys haven't played it, Anodyne is it, it kind of has like a Zelda feel to it, but also yeah, it has an old school. Yeah, old school like platformer slash like adventure game, and uh, it's a game I beat. I don't know if it was this year or last year, but it was a lot of fun. And yeah, just everything about it felt like there was something that felt eerie when playing it. It yeah. was kind of creepy, kind of dark at times, um, but it was like very experimental almost and. So I'm excited to see how adding 3D to the mix feels. Um, it's supposed yeah. to release, I think, early 2019. So we'll keep you posted on that. But shout out to John, because uh, I wasn't aware of it until I saw his tweet about it. So Yeah, looks pretty cool. Yeah. Have you uh, seen that they have um, created a fucking battle royale mode? For, for CSGO? Yeah. <laughs> I. I saw that the other day. I was like sort of tempted to just check it out. But at the same time, I don't think I even want to deal with it. <laughs> like how stupid. Uh, I know. They're just trying to cash in on it. And and I'm also kind of wondering with all the stuff going on with Steam, if this is a, an attempt to kind of bring people back. Because um, I don't know if you heard at all about uh, Steam had some sort of bug that basically killed traffic to a ton of indie games yeah like whatever their algorithm is that was um bringing people to games they're interested in or whatever like something broke and so then like i saw some dude that tweeted and he showed like the traffic hit that he got after that that patch or whatever yeah uh and it like cut him down to like 10% of what he was getting before that. Jeez. So so yeah. there's that going on. Epic is launching a uh, their own Game storefront. Store. Yeah, and yeah, their storefront rather. Yeah. And they're um launching with free titles like every week or something. And then you got Discord that has their game component coming in. So I think yeah. Steam is starting to worry maybe. Well, they've just had a weird model. Like, they've been on top for so long yeah. that I don't think that they have ever thought that they had to worry. And, you know, the truth is, is it's not like I'm going to steer away from using Steam. Right. Um, yeah, because that's where I have 300 games. Like, Right. <laughs> I was exactly. thinking, like, I wonder, I wonder how a company could try to leverage something like, oh, you can import your Steam library, but I bet you that that's all protected. 
Yeah, probably. But <clears throat> that would be a way to kill Steam. Yeah, for sure. Because I want to destroy. I want to bring my library with me wherever I go. I don't even care if it's Steam. Right. Um, I just care that I have all the games in my library, like mostly in one place. Right. So. Well, you know the the real shitty thing about the user agreement that you accepted with Steam is that um, you accept actually that you don't own the games. <laughs> so there you go. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. That always bums a lot of people out when they hear that. But yeah, you basically pay to license the games and that's it. Like you can yeah. play them. You can uninstall and install them as much as you want. Um, it's different with other them. platforms though, like GOG, right? I think GOG, you actually own them. It could be. I mean, GOG, yeah, I just mean on, on Steam. Because yeah. GOG doesn't even have DRM. So. Right, yeah. That's sort um, of a, a big push for it. Yeah. But the other thing about uh Counter Strike that I wanted to touch on that they just fucked over a lot of people is that so they made it free to play as well. Yeah. And they made everybody who bought the game an instant prime account. And for those people who aren't familiar with Counter Strike, uh the way it works is that you would play competitive with a bunch of shitlords, um <laughs> and, you know, which is like their ranked setting and you had to like queue for a match and get players in it, track to your rank and all this stuff. And it was actually a really fun streamlined mode, um, but you were in with a bunch of shitlords until you grinded enough and got to a prime account, essentially. Yeah. So you played like 50 games, and then you could become prime. And to do that, what it did was it would weed out all of like the hackers and stuff mm-hmm. and all the griefers. So you would grind, 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 and then you could queue with only prime accounts if you'd like. And it basically was like one way of vetting out, um, tr- you know, not yeah. trolls, but whatever that thing is where... Yeah, well, the first like 20 hours you play or something, you feel like there's a hacker every match. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so once you and... hit that prime level, then it's like, okay, I'm playing with real people who care about the game. Right. So what they did, and this was dumb, every single person who bought the game... When they went free to play, they just bumped everybody who bought it to Prime. Oh my God, that's stupid. Yeah, that that just legitimizes the hackers. Yeah, so (laughs) I don't don't know if I'll play Counter Strike for a while. Yeah, I Uh, that actually just kind of sealed its fate for me. I didn't know about the Prime thing. Yeah, but wow, yeah, I was, you know, like I understand why companies will start with a game that's paid for and then push it to free, like if it's not doing as well or just market trends or whatever. But every time that's happened and I've bought the game, it makes me feel like I don't want to play it ever again. Like, why did yeah. I Why did I support this, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. And that's like what I thought about. Like, so many people were trying to get me to play, um, you know, uh Knights, not Knights of the Old Republic, but Star oh, Wars: The Old Republic, the Old Republic. like the online yeah. game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, "I spent all this money, let's play it." And then it went free to play. And they're like, "No, it's free. You should definitely play it." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, <laughs> bro! They went free. You know what that means? The game sucks." No. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I did I mean, play the, the Old Republic a little bit. It was okay, but I never played it. 
because first of all, give me fucking Knights of the Old Republic three, you pieces of shit. Yeah. Well, hey. Like you promised me this, and then you now took it away to make an online game. Yeah. Look at the. Uh, wait. Is that Bethesda as well? No, no, that's Bioware. Oh, and Bioware. That was the start of yeah. this trend, man. I know that, that was. was the start of this trend. They're like, let's stop making sing- good single player games and let's fucking make money. Yeah, let's make MMOs with microtransactions and all this shit. This is a really good topic that I wish I would have brought up sooner. But this whole thing going on with Fallout 76. Yeah. It's fucking crazy to me. All of these big companies, and this is like why I was talking about my faith in AAA games is diminished. Because these companies literally have a fucking license to print money, essentially, right? When you've got a fucking franchise like Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Star Wars, you've got a fucking license to print money with fans if you make good games. Yeah. Okay? This is the same slap in the fucking face that Blizzard did with Diablo Immortal. Mm -hmm. What? You guys don't have phones? No, that's not the fucking (laughs) point. It's The point is, is if you make a game that honors what we have come to expect, we will buy it and we will play it, okay? Fallout 1 and 2 are amazing. Fallout 3, when Bethesda got it, I think was a little bit underappreciated, but was amazing. Fallout 4 was really fucking fun. I put 80 hours into the fucking game. And then, as soon as they announced Fallout 76, I was like, oh, that's not going to go well for them. (laughs) And lo and behold, it's been a shitstorm from top to bottom. Yeah, I keep hearing I keep hearing bad stuff. Although I've heard some good things from some people saying it's actually no. it's actually a pretty fun game, but then everything that you hear about like what Bethesda has done is not great. <laughs> I mean, who says that it's fun? Cuz I haven't heard anything. So I mean, I'm not saying that it's not out there, but yeah. it's like everything that I've heard about the gameplay is that it's completely hollow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to play it, most likely. Yeah. So. And that's the thing, man. It started with Bioware. They're like, let's make this fucking money wagon here. Yeah. Like, not everybody can make the next World of Warcraft, you know? This is like, Bethesda's second time doing that, because they did it with Elder Scrolls Online as well, which, again, I is it free to play now? I'm not sure. No. Okay. No, but neither is Fallout 76. Like, yeah. you got to buy it. Yeah, you know? but I wouldn't be surprised and- if it tanks and then they say oh we're gonna make it free to play and then yeah. just up the amount of microtransactions or whatever like right yeah and that's the thing like these microtransactions have got out of control too man and that's another way that the star wars like franchise in general has been fucked is with ea yeah. and their loot box shit and battlefront 2 right like you know my brother was trying to convince me he's like it's on sale for 10 bucks i'm like not buying it sorry he's yeah like, it's 10 bucks dude i'm like no i'm not supporting developers who like, here's the thing. They have a license to print money, but the problem is is that what they've forgotten is that what makes good games is, like, the passion that goes into it, man. Mm-hmm. That's why Stardew Valley sold a million copies or whatever the hell. Yeah. You know? Like, that's why it made so much goddamn money was because it was a passion project and it was good. Right. It was fun. It was well thought out, well executed, and the passion just oozes from developer to player. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the reason why I pretty much want to support indies as much as possible. Because AAA, I mean, I guess it's probably the same in indies to some extent, but AAA, they're not they're not making the games to make them fun. No. They're making the games to make them money. Right. And that's what I was going to say. That's the direction that AAA studios have gone, is that 
they have all these fans that they could tap into for money if they just make the right game. But instead of letting like the right people make the decisions, it's almost as if they're letting marketers and accountants make their decisions. Yeah. Well, it's the top level people that don't actually really care about games. Right. They care right. about the bottom line. And, you know, if you want to keep supporting great games that you know, you do need to support indie. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's bonkers to me. Like, and I don't think that Elder Scrolls Six is going to be any different than what we've come to expect out of Bethesda lately. You mean? Like, fucking Skyrim has been re-released for the last, like, ten years. <laughs> yeah. And then they come out with 76, and it's a shit storm of a game. Just a hollow piece of shit. <laughs> I also kind of wonder how much, like, them having Elder Scrolls Online... They're just like, well, we have an MMO system. We can just translate to our other universe, you know? Well, I, exactly. And I, I that's what I thought. I haven't played it either one, so I have no idea. But Elder Scrolls Online is fine, but I just don't really like the MMO feel to a lot of things. It, yeah. it ruins the immersion. Um, yeah. You don't feel like you're playing a game in a world that's, like, real because... They have to do cheap little things to make it playable by, yeah. you know, thousands of people. So, well, and that's and that's the thing. I've never played an MMO that made me feel like I. I just like I don't feel like I've ever had fun playing an MMO. Yeah, because it becomes like a chore. It becomes like something that you have to commit to. Right. The reason that I really liked Morrowind and Oblivion and even Skyrim is that it's like the game only got the amount of commitment that you could give. And right. if that happened to be a 12-hour session, it rewarded that. <laughs> if it happened to be a two-hour session, it rewarded that. Like, you got to play and play a great game, and you could do fast missions, or you could explore and do every little thing possible, and you were rewarded for it. Yeah. But if you're playing an MMO, it's like you have to put in X amount of time in order to get any payout. Yeah. Well, like, it, it honestly, it makes me kind of curious to see how um, games like EVE Online works, because that's an MMO, but mm-hmm. I don't really know that it feels quite like like what we were talking about, like these disposable missions that everyone does. I don't know if yeah. it feels quite like that. It sounds yeah. like it's on a, like, it is in like this living system where you're just entering another world or like universe or whatever yeah. um, where your actions actually matter. Yeah. Like you can't. Eve is a tough nut to crack. And I don't know quite like the formula that they use to become so goddamn popular, but it's partially because their economy yeah. is like super fleshed out. Right. Well, but like, so if we're talking about Elder Scrolls Online or whatever, I don't know what the end is, but if they're trying to reproduce the ending of like Oblivion or Skyrim or something where you you end up being like this powerful god or whatever, like how do you translate that into literally everyone in the world is that thing? Like it just right. doesn't I work that way. Yeah, I'm not sure if that is the ending. Like I think it's um well, I don't know. It it takes place like even before the game Morrowind. It's like three or four hundred years before the game. I don't know what the ending is, but I know that it's not that. Yeah. But you're right. 
you know you can't you can't like recreate that single player feel right in an mmo which i think i don't know it makes it feel like less of a game in in a lot of ways right but if you I guess that's kind of the thing with like Eve though is that like it allows you to really just carve out your own space. Yeah. It allows you to own what you have essentially. That doesn't make any sense. It allows you to like it allows you to take ownership in a piece of the game in a sense. Like right. you put all this time and effort in and like yeah, you're not the richest or the have the biggest ship, but you have a cool ship. Yeah. And you have friends and you can defend yourself. And it makes you feel cool, right? It do, you don't have to be top dog to feel cool. You could yeah. be, you know, low ranked in a guild and still feel fulfilled. Yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of like like the trick that needs to happen with MMOs is to have enough of the like power that you feel from a single player game in the MMO world and have it actually have an effect on the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if in Elder Scrolls Online, one person is able to trigger an event that actually changes the experience for every single person that's playing it. Like, they're not going to program that to happen because, you know, they want everyone to have pretty much the same experience. But, like, how cool would that be to have that sort of ecosystem where your actions actually do make a difference in the world? And I think that's where Eve... yeah, that's exactly. where they stand out. It's like, yeah, someone just pulled off a crazy heist and it actually like stole people's real money and now they're kind of screwed and they yeah. just have to deal with it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I think that's what makes it f- feel really fun. Yeah. You know? And I think that's part of why, why survival online games have been taking off too. Like Ark, Conan Exiles... Um, stuff like that is because it feels like it has real consequences and that like a single person could make a huge dent and stuff. Yeah. Like at least in Conan Exiles, like in the onlines that I've played, like people can summon these giant gods that come and just like wreck your fucking village that you've spent hours <laughs> building, you know, like it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. That's crazy. But I don't know, man. Again, I, have come to distrust AAA developers pretty substantially, but I am very satisfied with Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, will I play Fallout 76? No. Will I play Battlefront 2? No. Will I play Elder Scrolls 6? Likely not. I don't know. Though. Really? There's no news on that. Hmm. Yeah, let's wait I mean, until I think they hear. announced... And here's the thing that confuses me. I think they announced Elder Scrolls 6 like before 76. And then yeah, 76 you know came out, like, a few months later. <laughs> huh. Maybe they were embarrassed about it. Well, maybe because they don't actually have any fucking shit for that game. Yeah. I think they were just like, here's a thing. And it was, like, a picture of a city with the words Elder Scrolls Six on it. Like, it didn't yeah. even have a title. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I don't know. But that being said, um, fuck you, Bethesda. Anything else that you wanted to touch on, or do you think we can wrap it up? Um. Well, I wrote down like ten other topics, but we haven't touched on any of them. Uh, I was just Sorry, gonna bro. say, no, it's all good. 
this is what happens sometimes and it's fine it's a, it's a natural conversation we don't know where we're going um i have most of my dev time lately as everyone in the discord knows has been on web development um i've been working on a website for a friend at work who's a local musician he's really good musician great guitarist great singer um and he didn't have a website for a long time so i actually like bumped into him at work and just asked him like hey dude you want me to build you a website and he was down so i've been working on that for the last couple weeks uh it's all just straight html css and javascript um i feel like i've done some pretty cool stuff with javascript it's nothing complicated but the couple things that i've done is uh the page is kind of like a, almost like a single page application. There's no links to other like pages in the, the site, but I wanted each section of the page to feel like its own page. So there's like an about music shows, media contact sections. And if you click on the links to those, there's this nice fluid little scrolling animation that it does. And then it perfectly aligns it in the, in the page. Um, and then I added some JavaScript to, uh, bring these little buttons up that lets you just kind of like, you click a button and it just perfectly flows to the next section, which yeah. was kind of cool. And then I also built a light box, um, for a gallery. So an image gallery, if you go into the media section and click gallery, it pops up with, you know, like an in-app gallery that you can click the arrows to look at different pictures and stuff. Um, which when I set out to do that, I thought like, wow, this is going to be super complicated, but it's actually not. A lot of it is in your, um, CSS, you can use the display. Um, I don't know what you want to, what you call a CSS function or whatever. If you use display and set it to none, it removes it from the page. So like when you click the gallery, it's, its style is set to none, but then it just flips it to block and then it pops up with all the CSS that I've programmed for it. And then if you click the X, it sets the, the display back to none. Um, so I've kind of surprised myself a little bit being able to do some things that I before this had not known how to do. The trickiest part though, and it's actually taken me quite a bit longer than I thought it would, was just that if you don't use a framework for all this stuff, dealing with browser and device compatibility is like the worst thing ever because you know like for the scroll function new versions of chrome and firefox support it but edge and ie don't and ios doesn't and so you have to like do all these conditionals to deal with javascript compatibility and then also like css compatibility like like i learned a lot about uh somewhat new feature of CSS called the CSS grid. And everything I did when I started, I was just on my computer designing it for how my computer looks, which I've learned is the wrong way to approach it. You want to go mobile first, design for the small devices, and then expand that to make it work on a desktop. Because if you think about it, most people, when they're going to look at a site, it's going to be on their phone. Like that's kind of the trend the trend these days so you want to always design mobile first um so that was my first mistake but then also just using chrome for everything to design it 
I ended up like feeling like I was almost done and then testing it out on a bunch of other uh, browsers and like IE doesn't support the CSS grid. So it just looked like garbage. And then I had to do all this work to restyle like most of everything just specifically for Internet Explorer. And <laughs> like in uh, on iOS, they disabled this one, uh, it's called background attachment in CSS. Uh, they don't use that. And for some of like the fixed backgrounds I have, it ended up making it like really zoomed in on these things and like pixelated. And then I had to figure out, well, shoot, how do I style things specifically for iOS? And so I have all these conditionals in my CSS for like the screen size, the browser type, like all this stuff. And it just is kind of complicated. So it's been a great experience, like getting me real world web development skills like for instance our website the gamedevsquest.com i didn't spend near as much time on it um because i didn't think about all these things i was just like well it looks good in my browser and it looks fine on my phone so we're fine you know but who god knows how it looks on ios or uh, (laughs) (laughs) or internet explorer which that's gonna go away in a year or whatever anyway so it's not that big of a deal but yeah like now I know for the future, I'm probably going to use some sort of framework that does all this stuff for me. Like um, some of the JavaScript, you could use like jQuery or even just use like a front-end framework altogether like React or Angular um, to help build the site. But then like the CSS stuff too, you could use, uh, I believe SAS has, it automatically does all these particular browser specific commands like for i believe chrome uses like webkit and there's a bunch of ones where you could be like display and then you have to do like three other ones to make sure that it works on three different browser engines or whatever like it's just super tedious so like in the future i would design mobile first and i would also use frameworks instead of doing it all by hand because it would save me a ton of time but that being said, I think that this was really valuable to kind of learn some of the pros and cons about this approach. So <laughs> um, if you guys are interested in checking it out, I have it up on my GitHub page using GitHub IO. They give you free hosting, which is crazy. But if you go to Taylor, spelled with a seven, dot GitHub dot IO, uh, you should be able to find the website for Paul uh, and check it out. But also have... I'm going to be done here pretty soon and I'm going to have him set up the hosting or he, he already has hosting set up. So I'm just going to send it to him and you'll probably be able to check it out there. But uh, anyway, so I just wanted, that's been most of my, uh, my dev experience lately is all the web dev stuff, which is, which is good. I'm excited. I'm getting better. Um, I'm surprising myself with JavaScript, which is cool. So Outside of that, exciting. that's yeah. cool, man. And it looks like a great website so far, at least, you know, on Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chrome looks the best. I mean, and honestly, yesterday I spent like six hours getting it looking good on Chrome, Firefox, IE, and Edge. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really able to test Safari other than on, we have an iPad. But it used to be that you could get Safari for Windows, and now they discontinued that, which I'm fine with. I don't want Safari on my Windows machine, but... Um, 
So, anyways, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, but also, I got a Pixel 3, uh, which has been pretty sweet. Um, I've been really impressed with the camera. Uh, they have portrait mode, which kind of like takes two pictures, and then it does this thing where it like blurs out parts of the background, and it just ends up making it look much more professional when you take a picture. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And then they also have this thing called um, Night Sight, and it's actually really good at capturing pictures low. Oh yeah, like that's just light. a new. That's is a that new, Android um, nine? Yeah. Okay, because you have a Pixel two, right? Yeah. So you probably have all those features too, then. Um. Well, I I don't have that portrait mode, but I have Night Sight, and I mean the portrait mode thing that you just described kind of sounds like this feature on the camera called Blur, which um. You basically, it's kind of like what you described. It's like you take a picture and then you like move the camera slightly and it like hyper focuses on the object in the center and then blurs out the rest. Yeah. That's basically what the portrait mode does. Interesting. Yeah. But I read part of the reason we got the Pixel 3 was because my wife like really wanted to have a good camera um, and it got rated as like the best camera on Android. So. Yeah, the pixels have routinely been the best. Yeah, and it I can vouch for that. It looks really good. Yeah. Um that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I uh broke my phone in uh Spain. Yeah. It still works, but it's pretty screwed up. Um so I've been kind of thinking about I mean, I got to try to make it till June at least. Yeah. But uh Well, that's where we were at with our our Nexus phones. Um, we were just trying to get as much out of them as we could, but now that I have this phone, it's like insane. I still have my Nexus right now and it'll die. Just like the other day I had it plugged in all day and I was charging my pixel. So I wanted to use my Nexus and I unplugged it and it was at a hundred percent and it was off for like two minutes where it wasn't charging and it just died. And I turned yeah. it back on afterwards, and it said the battery was at, like, 30%. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. So I know what you well, mean. They're good for, like, a certain number of, like, charge cycles and all that. And beyond yeah. that, you got to just either replace it, the battery, like, open it up, replace it, or new buy phone. a new phone. Yep. Kind of sucks. And it's easier to just buy a new phone. So. Yep. Well, I'm really liking the Pixel 3. It's been fun. It's fun having that. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I have a bunch of other stuff that I could talk about, but we're already past an hour. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, um, I talked a lot of shit about Bethesda. That's my fault. <laughs> uh, real quick, one thing uh, that is kind of cool, um, you guys could check out. I I recently followed Sean Astin on Twitter, and he's like a really big climate change guy. Um, which is interesting. And he has this new project he's working on. It's called My Urban Canopy, um, where he's basically trying to raise money to make it so that more buildings and cities will start having like vegetation growing on them to try and do carbon capture. Um, So if you're interested, check out, he has a GoFundMe page for Urban Canopy gofundme.com slash urban canopy which is kind of cool so it's fun seeing other people celebrities that you've watched on the big screen actually care about stuff you care about too so yeah 
There's a lot of celebrities are uh, pushing that big time on Twitter. Like yeah. Chris Evans is pretty vocal about it. Yep. Um, God, who the hell else was I just looking at? I don't know. But there's a bunch. Sean yeah. Aston, that sounds like a cool, a cool endeavor. Yeah. We're going to start seeing a lot more uh, pushback with climate change, I think. Like Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, is basically saying like the Democrats aren't going to do anything yeah. until Republicans start acting on climate change. So we're going to start seeing a lot more of this stuff in the next couple of years because we have 12 years left. Um, Pretty much. So anyways. All righty, guys. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and pull the plug there. Appreciate you guys hanging with us to the end. Um, fuck Bethesda, if you can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Um, support indie devs. You yeah. guys know that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, put your money where your mouth is. The only power that we have against these big companies is our money. So uh, if you can help it, you know, I mean, look at me giving money to Rockstar, but uh, <laughs> they make good games and they support good games. Uh, you know, I mean, online mode on Grand Theft Auto V is still like one of the best multiplayer experiences you can have. Um, and Red Dead Redemption Online is shaping up to be the same thing. So um, I have no shame there. Anyway, <laughs> you can uh, email us, gdq at airpodcast.com. You can tweet at us. We are at GameDevsQuest. Um, y'all can go uh, play our games. We're uh, itch.io. Oh, excuse me. GameDevsQuest.itch.io, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and you can find links to all this stuff at our website, gamedevsquest.com. Sorry uh, if it looks like shit on your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It probably does. Let's be real. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you guys are so inclined to support us financially, you can do so by buying yourself some sweet old swag over on humblebundle.com. Uh, you can use our link, however. It's uh, bit.ly forward slash gdq hyphen humble. Anything you purchase using that link. Well, uh, give us a little bit of a kickback and help us, uh, you know, pay our hosting fees and uh, keep the lights on, that sort of thing. Um, and also, if you want to join our Discord, which is a very lively channel, uh, you can go over there and talk game dev with all of our fun friends. You can do that bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. Um, and that's a permalink, so give that to your friends, too. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's it. That's all we got. Sweet, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week. We got some fun guests who are slated to come join us one of these days. Um, until and it then. It might be you. Oh. 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 <laughs> Hell All yeah, right. guys. Have a good week. Cute ass music. Mm hmm.